What is old is new again, except it's not that old. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. It's been a while since we've brought Placencia to the table, and we figured let's do the work. This is the Placencia Sixto One, the Colorado Clara, which refers to how the wrapper looks, the color of the wrapper. This is Nicaraguan throughout the 601 is a 6x60 six cigar, which means it's 6 inches long. Gee. Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And the ring gauge is a 60. That's the diameter of the cigar or how thick it is around. Gee. And uh, 64 ring gauge, just so you know. Uh, that would be a full one inch around. But what makes this so interesting is that this is a hexagon press. It is a very unique way to make a cigar. Placencia is a very unique cigar maker. Placencia was known for making cigars, well, for basically any cigar brand you may have tried before. They were growing the tobacco. And what they decided a few years back, as the story goes, was, hey, we know good tobacco. We know when we've got great tobacco. Why don't we hold that back and start putting out our own cigars? Placencia did just that. The Alma Fuerte, the Alma Campo. Uh, the, uh, what's the Alma del Fuerte? It's the Alma del Campo. And I'm missing, I'm missing one, Fingers. What is it? The Alma del Fuego. It's the Alma del Fuego. The Alma Fuerte. Yeah. The Alma del Fuego and the Alma del Campo. I got it now. They also do the 149 which is, and the 146, which is Honduran, which I love and adore. But this cigar is a wonderfully easy smoking. Just It, it, it seems like it's going to be so big. It isn't going to play that way. We have just lit this up and fingers... Where are you at right now? First of all, a ridiculously easy draw on this to the point where it's almost distracting. It's that easy. Uh, very nice. It's that that hexagon shape. It's a little hard to get used to. Any any 60, right? A 60 yeah. ring gauge is a big, big pup. So we, when we are, Fingers and I naturally, and we never really discussed this, we're, we're huge Lancero fans. So that's when you're a 38 ring gauge. So picture half of, of where we're at right now. But really in that 46 to 52 range, that's where we live and breathe. This is big. It's big in the hand. It's big in the mouthfeel. The hexagon just makes it a little more peculiar on the lip. Yeah, peculiar on the lip, uh, peculiar in the hand. Because in, in your hand, you're like, oh, this feels like it's a box press. And then you roll it a little bit. You're like, oh, it's not a box press. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a nuttiness. Right on the light to me, uh, you know, great tobacco. Uh, I guess you would call it earthy uh, note, and then uh, I'm slight pepper at this point. So when when I think about those two things, what is like a tobacco forward cigar, and what is an earthy cigar? When something is earthy, it's got a little more of that dirt, a little more of that musty kind of thing going on that I happen to adore. Tobacco forward is that that traditional flavor that I think exists in cigars, and then you pick up the notes going along. I happen to love a tobacco-forward cigar. I like the tobacco uh, uh, flavor as it exists. I think this is uh, a good amount of wood and a good amount of, of, of nut. That's what I get from this. The, the, the spice may hit the tongue, kind of envelop the tongue, but it's those other things, those other flavors for me that really hit right off the quick as, as we start lighting this. What do you think of the draw? I, lots of pleasant smoke, too, coming off of this. But uh, I don't have a problem. I went super shallow. We did a straight cut on this. Uh, I did super shallow. Remember, you light from the foot end. You 
cut from the cap end. Hold on, what's what's going on with you? What is that? You did a straight cut. No, you and I have got kind of the same thing going yeah. on. We went as shallow as humanly possible yeah. while still getting the full breadth of of the 60. So with this cigar, you could actually do a straight cut and really only cut like half of the full cap and kind of intensify that draw almost as you would with a V-cut. But I think that the purpose here is to open this up and give you that that full 60 kind of feel. We just go a little bit shallow. So as the, the cap is starting to curve, that's where we're cutting. So not too far down. That's, I, I think that's a mistake. And I guess everybody does their own thing. But when people cut a little too far down on the cigar, so you're, you're in the fullness of the cigar and you're cutting straight, I think you're losing cigar that way. It drives me nuts. Well, that's a, a personal pet peeve. Everyone's different. You know what I always say, Tony? What do you always say? I say like, measure twice, cut once. Is that what you say? That's that's what I say. Did you learn that in the Carpenters Union? Uh, three times I've been told that in my life, and it always stuck with me. So you were told to measure twice, cut once, three times, four times now. Oh, I feel. But you're I, but you're right. Good. You, you know, you wanna if you if you decide that you're you didn't cut down uh, far enough, then cut a little bit more. You can recut your cigar, but oh, you yes. can't you can't put it back if you cut too much off. That's why we like to go shallow. If we need to cut a little bit more to open that up to get a better draw, we do it. You also want to get your notebook out. What did you eat today? What did you drink today? What's the weather like? It's a little chilly here in Indianapolis, Indiana, but a little cloudy. It happens. What you want to do is write it down. First third, second third, final third. What you ate and what you drank can affect your metabolism, can affect your saliva, affect the taste and feel of the cigar. And then you take your notes. And when you smoke that cigar three months, six months later, two months later, whatever it is, you compare your notes. And when you see similarities, those are your through lines, right? That's where you know your palate is with this cigar. La Placencia Almafuerte, Colorado Claro Sixto number 1 hexagon. Um, Placencia is. Uh, I have been for a while now, for over a year now. Placencia and Espinosa. Uh, have been doing the best work in cigars. I, it's and still, I, I feel that way. It's it's not to say I have anything against Arturo Fuente. I have some Opus X's that I have just been adoring. Uh, we the other day uh, I had a, a Christoph Pistoff. A Christoph cigar is Glen Case. I think that's a wonderful cigar. Many many wonderful cigars. But in terms of constant, my gosh, this is special. This, this is really something for the dollar. Placencia and Espinosa has been it. And this, the Alma Fuerte. Now, this comes as a box press, too, uh, or I should say a box press as well, because there is a Sixto number two that exists, but that is a Nicaraguan Maduro. So it's, mm. a, it's a darker wrapper. That also exists as a Salomon, uh, th- that, that Alma Fuerte, the Alma Fuerte Salomon, which is a black label. I love but this, this green label, the 601, the Colorado Claro, makes me super happy. So I had a question the other day that was asked of me, and I wanted to throw this out to you. This is a hexagon, but you you were brought up the box press. A V-cut on a box press. Is I that don't, something you don't do? No, nah, I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't, right? A V-cut is about intensifying the draw very often on a torpedo, a pyramid, something like that, where it comes to a point so you're not cutting off too much of the cigar, losing too much of the cigar, and really kind of intensifying it as one of those shapes would naturally do. The V-cut makes sense there. Nah, on a, on a, on a box press, I got to think that that's a, I've already smoked it, and I, and I say to myself, you know what? 
that's pretty mild. I want to give it a little more oomph, a little more kick, if you will, bring things in a little tighter, and then I would do it. But if I thought that it was a uh, softer cigar in that way, I'd, I'd, maybe it wouldn't be the cigar for me. This is a cigar for me. Even in this ring gauge, I enjoy it. The question is, is it worth it to be in our humidor? We'll get into that in just a moment. What's the price on this? The Placencia Alma Fuerte Colorado Claro Sixto Number One, the Hexagon. It's a six by sixty. People, it could be called Beefy. Beefy. See, I told you we call Beefy. It seems that if you're a celebrity, you are in the liquor game. You got Ryan Reynolds with Aviator Gin. You've got George Clooney doing tequila. Snoop's got gin and juice. Uh, by the way, he he stole that from Fingers Malloy. That's a true story. I have been sipping on gin and juice for decades, decades before, I, in the crib, actually, and, right. and, but not my home crib. As I know the story, Fingers, uh, you and Snoop were kicking it old school, West Side, and uh, <laughs> uh, he said, uh, Fingers, uh, uh, what should I drink? I said, and, and from what I'm told, you said to him, Snoop, D-O-double-G, you ever sip on some gin and juice? And he said... Gin and juice fingers? What's that? I actually suggested gin and seven up, and he said that won't work lyrically for me. So he changed it to gin and juice, and look what happened. The rest is history. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Counts. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Send all your Snoop related lawsuits to fingers at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. So every celebrity is in on some kind of liquor, and now it's Bob Dylan who has opened a distillery in Pleasureville, Kentucky, Heaven's Door Distillery, as in knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. It's 160 acres along what's known as Six Mile Creek, according to the spiritbusiness.com, and he is going to start... Is he selling whiskey, or is he going to be selling bourbon? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. They've been producing small batches of bourbon on their custom still since 2018, and then they're going to build out from there. Yeah, how does it feel? See, that's the problem. You're going to drink the bourbon, but you won't understand what it's trying to tell you. Does, does it burn in your throat? Does it have a vanilla note? Would it, would it be good in a float? No. You're the dumbest person I know. Oh, my goodness gracious. I didn't know which one of us was going to do the Dylan impression. I wasn't sure how that was going to work out, but I'm glad it was you. I'm, I'm glad that it was you because your your Bob Dylan is very close to your Norm Macdonald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm a businessman, Tony. That's what you are. And, and I, I should be in marketing. Mm. And so I just came up with the whole marketing plan for this bourbon. It's very exciting. No one cares that, that a celebrity is attached to it. They care that it's good in bourbon. Now, I don't think that's true in other worlds. So, for example, if we were uh, to talk about Cristal or, or things like that, I think people are much more um, connected to the celebrities that are, are associated with that. Yeah. The other thing, too, is how many times do we see a product released like this where, let's face it, people have no idea that there is a celebrity behind it. I mean, it would be one thing if it, if it actually said Bob Dylan's whiskey on the label. But, you know, a lot of people just walking into a liquor store 
they're just going to grab a bottle if it looks interesting. You know, how many people are going to do the research? You know, I well, I, but and, so and, and care on top of it. I think I think it is a question of what audience you're 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 going for. I think that's it. So, for example, Travis Scott is part of something called Cacti. I have yet to figure out the Travis Scott attraction, but holy dude, has that guy figured out marketing? With the Jordans, the Travis Scott Jordans go for so much more money than regular Jordan sneakers. Travis Scott has his own meal with with McDonald's. He's got uh, what's his, the meal for McDonald's? I, I believe it involves a burger and fries. Wow, no one has thought of that. Revolutionary. Before. Uh, he has a a cereal that he does. It's it's been quite amazing, quite impressive what he's been able to put his name to. Whether or not it's his business acumen or somebody else's, that I don't have an answer. I don't know. Like I, I just don't know the, the the dude. But it's been impressive. Then there's Chirac, which is uh, a Sean uh, P Diddy Puff Daddy Combs. As a matter of fact, Sean was uh, kicking it old school East Said with uh, Fingers Malloy, and uh, he was like, you know, I need a I need a nickname, Fingers. Uh, it goes and 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 what do, what do you think? What do I, uh, I, I was thinking to call myself the dad, and fingers was like, eh. "Were you in the room?" I tell you, I, the story has been told oh. numerous times on MTV. Oh, I, I said you should call yourself P Daddy, and then he said, "Well, you know what? No, how about just Diddy?" And the rest is history. And the rest is 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 history right there. Uh, who else has got uh, some 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 stuff? Uh, Jay Z is into cognacs. Um, do you do you enjoy cognac at all? The answer is sure, but I, I, I not on the regular, not on the regular. And again, that is a cultural move more than more than anything else. Uh, and and LeBron uh, has tequila. He has Lobos, right? So the the there is there is a cultural aspect to be drinking things that people associate with these celebrities to associate with a level of style. I have, I less see that in the bourbon world. And and Jamie, I think it's Jamie Foxx. He's got himself a, I think it's a bourbon or it's a, it's a whiskey brand. I forget the name of it right now. I, I, can't, I oh, don't know that me. The, the, the only one that I've really enjoyed uh, as far as a celebrity getting involved in the whiskey business is the Redneck Riviera. Oh, that's John Rich. Uh, yeah, because it's a combination of it's good sipping whiskey. Now it's a blended whiskey, but at that at that price point, I think you get it for like twenty dollars a bottle. If if I was a guy making predictions, I would tell people to start paying attention to the American whiskey market. So bourbon is a very specific thing, and if you get our book, Let's Go Bourbon, you'll learn about the history of bourbon and the the legal behind bourbon, what it takes to be a bourbon. Fifty one percent corn. First use charred oak barrels. The level of proof it has to be in the barrel, out of the barrel. There's a tremendous number of rules. Whiskey has less rules. So all bourbons are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are bourbons. With the run on bourbon, the the huge um, uh, popularity of bourbon, it is impossible right now to find barrels. So if you wanted to be somebody who wanted to put out your own label, buying barrels, finding barrels is an extremely difficult thing to do when 10, 12 years ago it was a much easier, if not easy, thing to do. So that brings us to whiskey. And are there going, is there going to be a move to popularizing whiskey because you can't get the bourbon 
right? You can't. Yeah. The bourbon's taking too long, and you can't force that aging. If you have to be X number of years, two years to be a straight bourbon, and people quantify the number of years with whether a bourbon's good, which is one of the most ridiculous things in the world. A bourbon is good because it's good, yeah. not because it's been aged 15 years, although there are some really spectacular, uh, well-aged bourbons. People are going to start saying, we got to fulfill the market. We could do it with marketing, because we both know, we all know, marketing is the name of the game here. Um, I think there's going to be a move into American whiskey. And what you're talking about with Redneck Riviera... I think that's a great example of why to move into that market. Yeah, I, I, like I said, uh, you know that that I think you can get a bottle of that for twenty twenty five dollars, uh, and yeah. it's it's a nice sipping whiskey. I think it's got a little bit of uh, vanilla and honey. It's got uh, a little sweet it. note to it. Yeah, it's 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 very good. So you, you may be very well right that there may be a move more toward American whiskey. I, I think that that's what's coming. I think that's what's happening. And as for Dylan's uh, Heaven's Door Distillery, yeah. all the all, all the best. I just hope it's good juice. I just want it to be good juice. Nothing more, nothing less. Is that easy? It's easy like Sunday morning. If we learned anything from Pete Rose, it is do not gamble on the game that you play. Two things. Uh, We learned how to hit. We learned how to hustle. Three things we learned from Pete Rose. We learned how to hit. We learned how to hustle. And we learned not to bet on the game that we play. Four things. Four things? Also how to rock a really cool haircut. Four things we learned from Pete Rose. Too bad the Detroit Lions didn't pay attention. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. And that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. The Detroit Lions, the Washington Commanders, have five players who have now been suspended either for a series of games or indefinitely for betting on football. And four of those players, Fingers Malloy, come from your Detroit Lions. I don't understand why the universe won't allow me to have nice things. Why, Tony? What did I do? Because at the end of the day, all this really, uh, the importance of the story has to do with how it has an impact on my life. Three of the players suspended indefinitely because they bet on NFL games. And two of the other players received six game suspensions for betting on non-NFL games, college games, while at a league facility. We have to go over that. First things first, these players who got suspended from the Lions, you've got the wide receiver, Quintez Cephas. You have the safety, C.J. Moore, and you have a guy from the Washington Commanders, defensive end, Shaka Tony. The entire season, they're gone. They were betting on NFL games. But there's a wide receiver for the Lions named Stanley Berryhill and another wide receiver, Jamison Williams. They got a six-game suspension. They can participate in the offseason and the preseason activities. They can play in the preseason games. They bet on college games from an NFL facility, and I want to know why that's a problem. Uh, Listen, they're trying to walk this tightrope where they embrace gambling. So so much of the content that the NFL produces, there is a sponsor that is a betting app where you you can do the sports betting from your phone, but they want to make sure that their players aren't involved uh, in any kind of, of gambling that especially when it comes to gambling on NFL games they don't want that attached to 
uh, their their players. They want them to be divorced of that. So the 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 year long suspensions they make sense. I guess that they're taking it a step further just to show that they take this kind of thing very seriously. Uh, I don't have any sympathy for Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill. Jamison Williams, first of all, was the first-round pick of the Detroit Lions last year. They moved up in the draft to get him, and uh, he missed most of last year because he had torn an ACL in the national championship game. He played for Alabama. Uh, so he was out most of the year. He only played, I believe, five games last year. So uh, he had one reception, and uh, he participated in one reverse. So he didn't have much of a rookie season. Now his sophomore season in the NFL is uh, being seriously jeopardized. And you have to ask yourself, this is the kind of thing that can really derail a person's career. When you start right. saying, okay, the first year and a half of your career, you didn't do anything. I, I don't have sympathy for them because they drill it in these players' heads that they are not supposed to be doing it. Do I think that it's a silly rule that you, you, you can't bet on non-NFL games? in an, it, It's not even just the NFL, like their practice facility or at the stadium. I've read reports where it says you cannot make these bets. Say if you're on the road and you're staying at the team hotel, you can't even make the bets at the team hotel but if you walk across the street you're allowed to do it if you are at the team facility you can uh, go for lunch somewhere and you can make the bet there that does seem a little bit silly to me the others the betting on nfl games now the nfl put out a quote league review uncovered no evidence indicating any information inside information was used so that any game was compromised in any way um and even if it was, I don't think they would tell us, honestly. I don't think the NFL would be honest with us. No. Of course you're going to get suspended for a season. Calvin Ridley got suspended last year. Josh Shaw from the Arizona Cardinals was suspended in, in 2019. You had to know you were going to get suspended. The Lions have released Cephas and released more. And apparently there were staff members on the business side of the Detroit Lions who also were participating in this behavior who were let go last month. Uh, so... You know, there have been people saying that this may be a a team-wide problem. The Lions have seemed to addressed it, uh, who seem to have addressed it on the business side. The NFL has addressed it on the player side. But I mean, you look at Quintez Cephas; he missed all practically all of last season, and now he's going to miss all of this season. This is another person who are maybe like your career may be over over betting. You are a, a ridiculously sad and, and near pathetic Lions fan. You, you, you rock the Lions tattoo, you sing the fight song, and uh, you have been saying over the past months that the Lions are a sleeper Super Bowl team. They've got the coach in Dan Campbell. They've got the attitude. They've got uh, the solid GM. This is a team that is ready to go. They've got the pieces. How do you feel now? Well, first of all, I never said a sleeper Super Bowl team. I said that I was quite confident that they were going to win their division. Uh, now, a lot of that has to do with addition. Did you by just walk that back? A lot of it has to do with addition by subtraction because you're going to see Aaron Rodgers uh, quite possibly go to the Jets as long as he doesn't go to some retreat and, and meditate again and decide to go somewhere else. Uh, so the team has gotten better. They played better the second half of the year. It just feels like you finally get some momentum. 
national media is finally paying attention, saying this team is for real, and then something like this happens. This is a big deal for their offense. What does this say about your your coach? Like, if, if you're a coach and you've got four players who did this, do you look at yourself and say, man, I must be a terrible leader? Do you call the team in and lose your minds? How do you respond to this? Because Campbell's not a, a meek dude. He is not a, a quiet oh, coach. He's got to be so incredibly angry because you you treat these guys like professionals. You treat them like adults. And then knowing that the NFL has these policies set in place and and knowing that apparently it has been reported that they, they do go over these rules, he's got to be incredibly frustrated saying you're, you're jeopardizing not only your career, but you're also hurting the team. This can, this could completely change their draft uh, strategy where they may have to draft a wide receiver uh, a lot I higher. I didn't even consider this. Or do they now see if they can uh, uh, dr- uh, trade up? Are they now calling the Arizona Cardinals or the Houston Texans? I don't think uh, that, saying what do you got? I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think that there's going to be a receiver drafted in the top six. Uh, so I, they may still just go along with their plan, which I believe is uh, drafting defense because their defense was so terrible. But I look at their wide receiver core and say to myself, other, other than Amon Ross St. Brown, they're not going to be scaring a lot of people. Uh, you know, as far as worrying about them going deep, they need more depth. And it's because of a stupid decision of betting on games on a, uh, a team facility. The guys who bet on college, do the fans say, get rid of them, I don't ever want to see them again? Or do the fans say, this is ridiculous. They, they should fight this like you wouldn't believe. Get them back on the field as soon as possible. Well, there has been talk that, you know, Jamison Williams should... Uh, appeal the suspension but this is one of those situations where it's pretty black and white you can't do this on team facilities he's not going to have his suspension reduced people are frustrated in Detroit because some of the body language from Jamison Williams has been kind of uh, off-putting on the sideline because he wasn't getting the ball and now you follow that up with this there are a lot of upset people in Detroit and we hope the kid turns everything around and has a great career but we'll see the seven and ten. That's what it's De- looking like. Detroit Lions. You look so dejected. Uh, so it. J- I can't have nice things. Apparently, no, no. If I were you, I would start rooting for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> it's worse being a Cleveland Browns fan. Your team moves to Baltimore, wins two Super Bowls. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon. The bourbon reader you've always needed is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. We had to check with the lawyers, but it turns out you can say the word Hogarden on radio. Who knew? I didn't know. That's why we checked with the lawyers. And when you want to go to the old school, to the classic, to the original of the wheat beers... You go to Hogarden. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. Did you go to the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe? I did. I really did. The Hogarden, H-O-E-G-A-A-R-D-E-N. This is the original Belgian wheat beer with coriander and orange peel. It was just a day 
for a beer. I was looking for something darker, looking for something richer. And uh, the good people here at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana said, hey, uh, would you like a little Hogarden? And I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? This is a fascinating looking beer because that, Fingers Malloy, is cloudy as a mother. Well, yeah. Look at that right there. It makes you wonder if it's actually not filtered. Well, no, it is filtered, but it, it has the kind of color that you would expect from a wheat beer. And Brian over here at Blend Bar Cigar said that this particular brewery has been brewing beer for almost 600 years. Well, you know, everyone's got to do something. And they uh, do this. Now, actually, you, you, you said that it was filtered. I, did you see that on the bottle? Because I saw a couple places where it says naturally cloudy, where it's unfiltered. Oh, so maybe what, it is what's filtered. happening here is that very often people are too used to uh, very, very homogenized kinds of things. The everyday mass production beers or, or uh, they're drinking way too many IPAs for their own good. And can we please just get this to stop? Across America. Can we stop it with the IPA ridiculousness? This, with, with everything that's in there, it, it, it go and being unfiltered, it, it leaves a little bit of the, the sediment, a little bit of the, of the pieces, if you will. And so some people suggest pouring out half, swirling it around, and then pouring the rest. I just assumed it was filtered because I, I don't really see anything floating in here. Uh, but you're right, it is... It yeah, is it cloudy. Look at the bottom. At the bottom of the oh, line, yeah, right you're there. right. There yeah. it is. They call you Eagle Eye Tony Cass. That's what they call me. There was Eagle Eye Cherry, and I said, you know what? I can, I can sing better than, than, than him. Let's pour this. We've got a pint glass right here. Gonna oh, you're not going to drink it right out of the bottle? No, no, no. I want to see how uh, that... Oh, that's a... That is one gigantic oh, head wow. of beer. I remember I, the time I poured my first beer. Yeah, I am an amateur. I just poured it right in. Fingers is going so slow. He's got like like a quarter inch of head on the beer. I have three and a half full inches right there. <laughs> it looks like he blew out a keg doing that. Ah, it's quite all right. Um, so the question is, does beer go with cigars? And the answer is, I don't know. I haven't tried enough beer. But there are moments where it just hits, whether it's the weather, whether it's the actual cigar itself, where you're like, you know what? This is what I'd want with it. I, I, I love a good bourbon. I'm really a, a rye guy. We do rum. We do tequila. We do all sorts of things. Every now and then, it just works. But with, with both fingers and I, we want a beer that has got a little more feel to it, almost a chew to it, a thickness, a richness. And the IPAs play in this overly hoppy space. In in our view, it's weird. We, we came to this separately, uh, and it, it is really has no connection to any cigar I have ever smoked. The IPAs, the India Pales, just simply don't bring a satisfaction to a cigar like some other beers can. This, Fingers Malloy, is 4.9% alcohol by volume. Nice. No applause? Nice. Yeah, we don't know what the rules are. We we know that if it's a bourbon over 100 proof, Fingers Malloy will give it some uh, uh, applause. It is available in uh, six-packs and just the smell of that fingers, Malloy. If you get get a little nose on that, yeah. Now, to me, it's supposed to say, you know, it's got a, a tinge of citrus. I still, I still smell banana in there. You said that earlier that when it comes to, um, when it comes to wheat beers, you always feel that it's a, it's a banana kind of feel to it. Yeah, this particular one, I do feel that way. But uh, I'll be interested to see how this pairs with a cigar because like you said 
so many of the stouts that we drink, they have that that coffee notes or maybe an oatmeal note, and it it plays well with with these cigars. Uh, this it looks very oddly enough. It it's got a light look to it. It does. It so. does. It's a very very blonde uh, beer. It's a it's a very. It looks a little weak in the glass. It looks uh, almost opaque. But that nose, I'm not with you on the banana. I'm there on the orange. And, and that coriander gives off a spice. And so there is a nice kind of warming spice that is, that is on the nose for this. Uh, this, uh, of course, is the Hogarden. H-O-E-G-A-A-R-D-E-N. Hogarden, original Belgian wheat beer. Uh, we are going to do this neat, Fingers Malloy. I don't think we're going to bring, bring this to a big rock or a cube or a, a little water or anything else. I can't believe we didn't pour this into a Glen Karen, Glen Ross glass. You just don't. It's Glen Gary, Glen Ross. It's a Glen oh. Karen glass. Oh, I always get those two mixed up. Fingers Malloy, are you ready for this? I've been ready for this all weekend. Fingers Malloy is going to do the Kentucky Chew, even with the beer. How you moving around the palate? You do that with bourbon, but we can do it with beer, too. Why not see what the feel is? For something like this. That's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. That citrus is there. Uh, there's a bitter finish to it. It's 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 not uh, heavy like a porter or a stout. It's very crisp. Very enjoyable. All right. I'm going in, fingers. He's going I'm in. going in with uh, the hoe garden. Um, uh, the weeded beer brewed with coriander and orange peel. Naturally cloudy. Like, uh, like pig pen. That was oh. a good reference. I, I thought you were going to say because it's naturally cloudy today. Oh, that's why we did it. That's, there you we go. always match our drink with the weather. Here we go. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing the Saginaw Swish. I was expecting something thicker, and it's not. That's a solid flavor. That's a solid. Hold on a second, fingers. Just chat. He's for a going second. in for his seconds. He still has uh, an inch of head on his beer, but he's muscling through that. Man, that's outrageously easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there is none of that. There, there, I don't get any of that hop kind no. of, of of bitterness. There's a almost a touch of sour, but not in in a, in a bad way. At all, I'm, I'm going to pour the rest of this in here. I only poured half the beer in here, and I'll and look. I'll do it. I'll do it oh, like you. There you go. Uh, go. Turning the glass sideways, pouring it against the side, so I don't uh, hurt your feelings anymore. <laughs> My feelings weren't hurt. Oh, you were I, devastated. I, I just thought it would. It was going to take you an hour before you'd be able to have your first sip. Um, that is that is rather good. Not what I was expecting, but that's rather good. But this would be, like, how is this not a summer day beer? Oh, I think it is. Right? With that little bit of that, that citrus hint. Um, even though you, you, you've got that the kind of, like, warming bit in, in the spice on the nose, the, the flavor just calls for it should be 30 degrees hotter. Yeah. There should be a, a, a small bead of sweat coming down my cheek. And I'm like, ah, oh, this beer is perfect. Well, they won the silver medal at the 2012 World Beer Cup, which, by the way, we need to go to the World Beer Cup sometime. Yes, but we need to win gold. I think they got robbed. I think they got robbed by the Russian judge. They've been doing it for 600 years, so they must be doing something right. That is a clean, clean bit of brew. The Ho Garden. Check it out for yourself. 
just in case you were wondering, inflation isn't going anywhere. Ugh. It's here. It's here to stay, and it affects absolutely everything. CBS talking about how inflation is absolutely crushing the opportunity for Americans to save money for retirement. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. In a world of inflation, Eat, Drink, Smoke Show is free. But if you'd like to subscribe, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Eat, Drink, Smoke Show dot com you have got whether it's the baby boomer set that's already into retirement and saying my gosh the money's not going to last when you take a look at what's happened to markets or the millennial set saying dear lord how does one even save for retirement the inflation is just ruining everything now i will tell you that first let me say for the record fingers malloy never ever take investment advice from me never once Never, ever. I am the worst when it comes to the markets. The, I pay attention. I study. I understand what's happening. But when it comes to my own investing, no, no, no. I, I've got a guy. Do not. Do not listen to me when it comes to stock investing. That said, I am not alone in the growing number of people who are trying to figure out what in the world to invest in because everything is nuts Nobody thinks the bottom has been hit yet. Some people want to say the bo- it's already been fil- it's already been factored in. The market's already done its pricing out of this situation. The market is already bottomed. It's nothing but upside. If you ask me if I'm buying that fingers, the answer is no. Do you buy that? No, I don't. But I don't know what to invest in. And again, like you said, uh, do don't you have take- a guy? Like, do you have like somebody you talk to about investments? Uh, no, no. I go through uh, one of the many places where I work. We have a, a little retirement plan, and you know, and, and I I so put you into do it through the plan. Whatever it is, they yeah. put, a lot of people do that, right? All sorts of businesses. They they've got a plan, whether it's the four hundred one k stuff or or some other things. They've got their their Vanguard fund, whatever the, the the case may be. And we're not promoting one here. We're just using that as a as as a name, and that's what they do. And that's how I think the vast majority of Americans do it but there are definitely people who are taking a look and saying hmm should i be in the stock should i be in this fund they don't know what to do they don't they don't trust that now is the time to do anything and one of the reasons for that is the six-month treasury it is a six-month treasury bond right it's guaranteed stuff six-month treasuries have been paying i don't know where it is right now right i don't know where, where it's been all week don't even bother looking it has been over five percent you mean I can keep my money in the bank and make nothing? I can put my money in the market and Lord knows what disaster can happen tomorrow. Right. Or I can buy a six-month bond and get 5%, not a 10-year. A 10-year is not paying anywhere near enough for people to be interested in. Not even the smaller stuff. Six months. That is a sign of a magnificent problem. When people are saying, I'm only going to do six months at a time, get the 5%, and then maybe I'll roll it. But if you're somebody who wants to be able to have the cash liquid for the moment that you need it, you're like, well, I don't want to be wrapped up in a bond even for six months. So what the hell do I do? That is what this market is doing and the inflationary side of things where everything is costing more on the regular every day combined with fears on the marketplace ripping people apart yeah and you just don't know what to do with your money unless you find someone that knows what they're doing you find someone that you trust 
uh, to guide you in the right direction. Because if you look on, uh, you know, websites and you try to get information, do your research, and you don't know what their motives are. You know, someone may be pushing precious metals, for instance, and it may be because they think that that's a solid investment. And, you know, I'm not going to get into whether it is or it isn't. But then you find out that they're affiliated with some sort of service that pushes precious metals. As CBS News has the story uh, through their, their Money Watch site, 25% of Americans have had to pull back on savings for retirement because of inflation. Yeah. Meaning, I'd love to put more into retirement, but I have to be, be able to afford eggs. Well, dear God, that's a brutal, brutal moment. And it, it, it tied into this story that was out of Market Watch. I, I didn't even get a chance. Uh, to, to send it to your fingers. I, I apologize for that. Where home flippers, you know all those people who were part of large corporations, they would buy any house they could, they would give you a call randomly or text, hey, we'd like. does that still happen to you? No. It's happening to me now. Is it now? Yeah. Like one a week. One a week, hey, uh, we'd like to buy your house. And I'm like, sure, $42 million. <laughs> I mean, if you want to buy it, you got to pay my price. Yeah. So it's $42 million. Um, it's it's totally worth $42 million. I live. Why not? Well, price is arbitrary. I think a lot of it has to do with that moat you have. Right. You got to keep the you got to keep the riffraff out. <laughs> That's always been my my theory. Those people who are buying the houses are now selling them at a loss. Yeah. Which is weird because for everything we've seen on on the real estate side of things, we have not seen a collapse in prices because there's also been an inventory issue. If we take a look at where we are in Central Indiana. Uh, there's a county called Hamilton County, which is to the north of Indianapolis. And in one of the towns, Carmel, which is maybe the most expensive town in the state of Indiana, I think last month, or was it month of March or month of February, there were 27 houses for sale. Yeah. That's no inventory. So that price, of course, stays high. But I'm not hearing about massive price drops everywhere. But if the investor class is, bought, is now selling the houses at a loss because it's better to take the loss now than the ongoing carrying cost loss, that's not a good sign. I was talking to a friend who lives in central Indiana who lives in a neighborhood in, in Hamilton County uh, that one of these companies came in and they started buying property to rent these houses out and turn them into rentals. And he said that he's noticed in the last few months for the first time in a long time, he's actually seeing for sale signs in the neighborhood. Where, that point. Yeah, they, 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 people are actually selling homes on the market, getting a realtor instead of just taking an offer. And it may be because the offers aren't as good, or it may be, like you said, that these companies aren't buying these properties anymore. When you take a look at the auto industry, because I know you spend a lot of time thinking uh, and looking at that world, um, we have done stories about where the new inventory is. There was the problem with the chips that seems to have in, in, in a couple ways resolved, although not, not fully. Uh, it's gotten better. We've seen uh, that there have been some deliveries, but you look at a lot of new car dealers and they're still rather, rather sparse. And how the new car world being sparse led to the used car world being sparse. And for a moment there, used car prices dropped and then they were back on the ascendancy is the new car market going to return and we're going to see plentiful new cars on lots in the next six months here? Yes. <laughs> it's just so hard because you hear that the supply chain issues are over 
uh, that seems to be the narrative. But then, uh, you know, three weeks later, after you hear that story reported, you're hearing auto manufacturers shutting down plants because they can't get computer chips. So I want to say yes, but I'm still not sure we're completely out of the whole supply chain issues, especially when it comes to computer chips. So we are, as, as I see it, still in a very economical, economic, horrible spot. And it's not ending anytime soon. And we're seeing uh, major players hedge really that this inflation will be with us for the next couple of years. And I tend to agree with them. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz, and that is Fingers Malloy drinking the Hogarden, H-O-E-G-A-A-R-D-E-N, this wheat beer, naturally cloudy. It says so right on the bottle, Fingers Malloy. People have called me naturally cloudy. That is true. With the coriander and orange peel, it is the original Belgian wheat beer. It's actually delicious. I'm... I'm very, very impressed uh, with this and how it is matching up with uh, the, the cigar. It, it is that, that bit of citrus. Uh, you get the hint of banana out of it, as you often get out, out of a wheat. I don't get the banana. Yeah, a little bit, but that, that citrus, uh, I am getting that too, and that lingers on the palate for a little bit. It's crisp. It's, it's lighter than I expected, uh, and it does scream summer day. It really does. I think it would be great on a summer day, and you could have one or, or five uh, of these. Uh, according to the people of Total Wine and More, a six-pack of this, nine bucks. Oh, stop it. All day, every nine, day. All day, every day. This is fantastic. I, the, I believe it's, it's Blue Moon and Shock Top are kind of like modeled after this. This is, this is much, in my, in my palate, much more well done. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Shock Top especially that that's just got it's i won't say it's overwhelming with the 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 orange flavor yeah but it it does taste like they actually crammed an entire orange into a bottle and there are some beers like there's some blood orange uh ales that are out there very very good i don't mind that flavoring this is just a nice mix because while it is crisp there is a slight there's a slight bit of of chew, a slight, slight bit of, of chew, a, a bit of a thickness. I'm like that. That works for me as it has settled on on the uh, on the finish there. It would be great with a brat or a hot dog with mustard on it. Yes, yes. I, if I was drinking this beer, I would not have uh, a brat uh, with with anything else but uh, a mustard. Um, but if you're just having a hot dog with ketchup, that's totally fine. Fingers. Hi, oh, Vey. We are smoking the placenta. Did you just do an oive on me? I was wondering if you were just going to let that go. Mr. Saginaw just threw a little bit of Yiddish right my way. I think I should be called Mr. Saginaw. That would be very nice. Would you like that? I would like that. Mr. Oh. Sag- Mr. Saginaw, or we like to call it Saginawsome. We'll put, you on a, put that on a T-shirt. Thank you. Smoking the placencia, Almaforte, Colorado Claro 601 hexagon. It is a hexagon shape, six by sixty cigar, Nicaraguan Colorado Claro wrapper, which has just a nice amount of oil, very very tight, little bit of grit. Sixty is a big ring gauge. A sixty-four ring gauge would be a full one inch around, so it's much bigger in the, in in the size than we normally go for or mouthfeel. 
it's been a beautiful, beautiful smoke as I'm well into the second third of the cigar. Fingers are starting the final third of his cigar. It's just that little bit of nutty, that little bit of wood. It is actually going very, very nicely with the citrus in this beer. It's actually a, a, a super great pairing. And this cigar, which plays as a classic medium, this is there is no fullness. This is not too light. That's a fair. classic medium. So if you're somebody who's just you've done cigars for a little while, you can step up to this. Give this a go. Give this a, a, a shot. Yes, it's a much bigger ring gauge. Just take your time with it. Sometimes with a bigger ring gauge cigar, people think they have to oversmoke it. They think they have to really get in there to make sure the draw is right. That's not true. Smoke it the same. Keep it slow. A puff every thirty seconds. Take your time with it. We put this cigar down for five, six minutes at a time. It is still staying, staying lit because the construction is just there. But this medium is a wonderful complement to the Ho Garden uh, wheat beer. Really, really nice and would work, again, perfectly for summer. Pretty surprised about that, too. Yeah. I, again, I, because we both seem to gravitate toward uh, stouts and porters, which seem to pair very well most of the time with cigars that we smoke i would never think to myself gosh this cigar would really go good with a belgian wheat beer this does when we talk porters and stouts you're often talking about that coffee flavor that comes through so there's a lot of cigars that will have a coffee note and that's where the connection is but when you think about the nuttiness of this cigar with the citrus of this beer and that just touch of chew that we're talking about that's a lovely perfect near classic kind of of connection and some people will discuss this cigar having hints of nutmeg uh now that's a really that's an interesting flavor to try and denote how does one denote nutmeg in in a cigar but if you think about that kind of feel with this weeded beer it does work. It does have a connection, especially when the, you know that the beer has a bit of coriander in it. So it's got that warm spice uh, kind of connection, and therefore it all kind of flows. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this pairing, and write it down, Fingers Malloy. This summer on the deck, we're doing this again. Sounds good to me, especially, at, my God, my goodness, $9 for a six-pack for this. Yeah. For, for, from a brewery that has been doing it for 600 years, it's great. It is time, Fingers Malloy, for News of the Week. Tony, Starbucks announced this week that it's currently testing a program in Colorado in which customers can bring their own personal cups to the drive-thru, a practice the company hopes to eventually standardize nationwide. What? Bring your own cup to Starbucks, Tony. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, they said customers who bring in a personal cup to the store would get a 10-cent discount, which I'm guessing will bring the average cost of a Starbucks cup of coffee down to $37.90. Starbucks is out of their head. Can we discuss... Are we that far removed from COVID that the answer is bring your germ-laden cup and we will fill it with coffee? If I'm a Starbucks employee, I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's a job elsewhere. <laughs> That's crazy. I am not a germaphobe. Uh, COVID Until changed now. me. <laughs> COVID changed me in a lot of ways. <laughs> to now I look at this, I exactly the same thing. I think of when I was a bartender and having to to wash pint glasses and things like that. They're going to have to have some sort of like 
sanitizing bucket. Yeah. I mean, this what is are they, crazy. It's gross. Terrible, awful idea. Now, there are already things that exist. Like, there are uh, gas stations, convenience stores, where you can buy the mega thermos. Yeah. And then you get certain refills. That always freaks me out, too, because it's touching the thing that they, you know, you, you press against it. If it's the kind of thing where you put the cup down and you press a button, then I'm fine with it because there's less connection. Yeah. But things are still spilling out and popping out. And I had promised myself that when COVID hit, that's the end of fountain soda. I'm never doing a fountain soda again. It's so much better than a freaking bottle. Of you course. drink out of a bottle sometimes of soda. I'm like, how? It just tastes so gross. It's because of the cap and no straw. Straws, straw? straws frighten me, Tony. No, they don't. Uh, I just... <laughs> I, the look I, I just gave him. Yeah, I don't like going to the whole fountain and then dealing with the, the 45 seconds it takes to fill your own pop. I mean, who has the time for that? <laughs> I couldn't get it out fast enough. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. Who has the time? Well, qu- Quickly, Tony. CNN's Chris Wallace, they're going to move his Friday... Uh, Moved to Friday primetime, his, his celebrity interview show. Are they really? Yep. They're shifting it to Friday nights at 10 p.m. Uh, if we could pump Chris Wallace full of truth serum, if, that, if that's a thing, uh, does he regret going to CNN? From Fox News, every single day, except for the money. <laughs> except right? for the money, uh, he, he, he regrets it. Uh, maybe with the whole Fox News Dominion voting systems lawsuit, that settlement, $787 million, maybe he regrets it less. But Chris Wallace has become invisible. Yeah. You, you don't see him. You don't hear about him. You don't think uh, about him. And when you're doing interviews, you want them to be heard. So, yeah, he's got to regret it. And being thrown into Friday nights at 10 p.m., that is not a ringing endorsement for Chris Wallace and what he's doing. But if he's interviewing celebrities, I'm looking forward to our interview with Chris Wallace, which you can see Friday nights on CNN. The beer is Hogarden. It is the original Belgian wheat beer, and it is lovely. And this cigar from Placencia, the Alma Fuerte 601. This is a wonderful smoke. There's a couple of these in the humidor, $20 a stick. And still smoking as I just now get to the final third of the cigar. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media. On Twitter, at GoEatDrinkSmoke. On Facebook, Facebook.com slash EatDrinkSmoke. And Instagram, at EatDrinkSmokePodcast.